From Southern California to South Beach, Miami. A man lived a fairy tale. And created a nightmare. Andrew. Really, bruh? up guys i know you missed us i feel like we do that i say that a lot you do i do i do we were just but having... i actually miss you guys i well way to say like i didn't i mean i don't know how you feel i'm not in your head i'm not in your thought process true but i'm charnel and i'm d and this is what did you do what did you do baby baby i miss baby. you guys because really i've been frustrated and so I love releasing all the tension by talking to everybody. That works. So I, I miss you guys. So this um, one was like recommended to us by a couple people, yeah, including so, my cousin. Yeah, this was like, I think it was like three or four timer. And so yeah. we said, let's do this thing. Yeah. Uh, and the next week we'll give you something hot and fresh out the oven. Uh, housekeeping. 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 Clean up woman. We want to shout out our new patrons. Uh, shout out to Gene Haggard. Hey, Gene. Or Haggard. Don't want to get that wrong. Uh, and somebody with a super cool name, uh, Ember Keller. Hi, Ember. Do you remember Danny Phantom? No. Somebody listening remembers Danny Phantom, and they'll let me know. They always let me know, like, oh, my God, me too. It's like, Ember, you will remember. You know, okay. No. But it was. That's I mean, what, I remember, <laughs> like, the cartoon character. And, yeah, like, Danny Phantom. The, people can see him. Yeah. yeah. I'm going ghost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like most dudes. That's probably where most dude got it. Oh uh, man, me. I'm ghosting. I go, I've ghosted a few I, people. I, in, I used my to youth. be a serial ghoster. It was really bad. <laughs> like I don't know how Cody. Oh, you guys, I'm engaged. <laughs> I don't know. That is a thing that's happened. <laughs> yeah, I didn't announce. You, you it. want to tell people? Um, so I didn't announce it because I wanted to tell my friends first, and I was going to a Chicago trip, but everyone saw it online after I told them. Did they? Yeah. For people who don't have you on Twitter, or Instagram, what happened? I got engaged. To who? To my boyfriend Cody. Your fiance now. Oh yeah. And I'm still I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess that up until he's my husband and then I'm still gonna mess it up. So it's fine. Mm-hmm. To the person that I'm living with currently. <laughs> I'm also engaged. <laughs> to, to my work. <laughs> I'm married to my job. I'm married to my creative processes. Um so I didn't tell my friends for a week because I knew they were gonna like my my close yeah, yeah yeah and you know a vet who listens to the show I'm gonna shout her out was like literally butthurt about it it probably still is and I'm reminding her of her butthurt I was about really it. she was so butthurt I was actually very <laughs> you didn't tell me right away I was very angry because you walked in and didn't say anything to me you tried to like motion it and I was like what's on your finger what, what? <laughs> like something in your hand <laughs> like and you're like <laughs> I'm this terrible I'm your typical like ditzy dude. <laughs> Uh, but this case, yes, this case. I, yes. Let's get let's get into this thing because I'm trying to go he's get lifted. wild. He's he's a lot he's more wild than wild. anything we've done. If you guys haven't guessed, it, if you didn't read the title, Andrew Cunanan. Yes, we're talking about the infamous, the Andrew. infamous Andrew Cunanan. Cunanan. And I would love to paint a little bit of a picture for everybody here. Paint it. Go ahead. I'm gonna try. So this particular summer was unusually hot and unusually eventful in so the U.S. Hot. 1969, right? We had the moon landing, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Damn. We had the Stonewall riots. You know, we saw all these drag queens and queer people take the fight to the police after years and years of harassment and brutality. Damn. Uh, but what we also had, which true crime aficionados will appreciate, was the LA murders of Sharon Tate, Jay Sebring, Abigail Folger, a name I'm going to mess up, Wuchich Frakowski, uh, and Stephen Parent. All orchestrated by the infamous Charles Manson. Yes. That happened in 1969. It was actually August 10th, if I'm correct. Um, And that was very wild. But that summer was uh, wild because we also got something else. Amongst all those things that were happening on August 31st, 1969, as we said, National City, California, Andrew Philip Cunanan was born. So it was Definitely the time for him it's just to like be this born. weird, tumultuous. It, like, <laughs> it was a time for him to be born. He was the youngest of four kids. His parents uh, were Modesto uh, Pete. His name nickname was Pete. Uh, a lot of Asian um, people do that, but I like Modesto. I like Modesto too. But like, you'd be really surprised. I've, I meet a lot of people whose names are like Debbie or or Eric, and 
Like, you know where they're from. So, like, I want to know, like, what was your given name? But then that's kind of rude, too. You can't, so. yeah, you can't yeah. ask them. But, yes, he was uh, Filipino-American. And his mom, I'm going to mess up this last name. So, just back me up here. I got you. Mary Ann. Oh, you wanted me to say it. Oh, you wanted me to try it. I wanted you to try it first, and I was going <laughs> to nah, correct man. you. I'm not going to play myself. So, 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 I'm gonna say Shalasi or Shalasi. It's, it's Italian, so Shalasi. Sh- Someone Scalasi. Scal- it's probably Scalasi. Sure. It probably is. You guys. I, I wasn't gonna get it. Right. Nobody said it out loud in any documentary, so I was upset. <laughs> I think they did on the show. The Versace. Oh, the see, I didn't watch it. Netflix. No, but did I register it's on, it now? It's on Netflix no. now. It was on like FX or something. No, it was on FX, and now it's on. It was part of that American Crime series, and now it's on Netflix. Netflix. Yes. So, Netflix in Chile. Yeah. So, um, and she was Italian American. She was from Italy and came over. Right. So he was a first gen. First gen, and, and much like a lot of old school Italian women, mm-hmm. uh, she was a devout Catholic, deep religious, traditional. Deep. Uh, and church was a major staple, major part of their home. Yeah, but it was said that at one point Andrew wanted to actually be a priest. Yeah, I mean, I when I was a kid, I wanted to also be a pastor, a youth pastor, not a pastor. Mm-hmm. But for my reason was like I want to help people and help kids. I'm sure his was more of I want to be in control and want power and people to worship me, especially with his mindset. It would fit, um, which is also terrifying to think of. It could have went that way. We know many murders went that way as far as like cults and yeah yeah, but yeah. andrew was actually quite smart as well yes. you know reportedly had an iq of 147 smart. impressive yeah go and i think well go ahead so in the eyes of his parents he was the fave no absolutely he he's he had a lot of things going for him i think that we talked about it off mic that aptitude usually creates favoritism um, as a 10 year old he memorized the whole set of encyclopedias according to his brother so it's like yeah you know so that's why my sister is a favorite no big deal I mean doctor you know <laughs> I just <laughs> but I have a podcast mom I would be the person that's like oh, my doctor this is my doctor daughter I'm sorry <laughs> and what about and this me is, and this is my other daughter why? <laughs> she's divorced <laughs> <laughs> She's not even married yet. No, I oh, yeah. oh. You always forget that I... This is why I don't want a big wedding. He always forgets. I forget. I, I, I did this once before. I forgot that that you're... <laughs> so I, much I, going I put for so me. much emphasis on your sister all the time. <laughs> hey, Deb. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you talked about favoritism. Uh, his siblings, that's Regina, Elena, Christopher, you saw me almost try a Spanish accent for no reason, <laughs> made it very clear that Andrew was said favorite in yes. that particularly Modesto. I'm never, I'm, like, calling him Pete seems cheap to me. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm cheating him. I'm not saying Pete. Modesto lauded over young Andrew. Yeah. Lauded. Yes. Celebrated. Lifted. Encouraged. Affirmed. He was his special boy, <laughs> quote unquote. Yes. But Modesto had an interesting background himself. Modesto started out in the Navy. After leaving the Navy, he became a stockbroker who worked for companies, big companies like Merrill Lynch. So he was making money. But amongst this money that he was making, he was also embezzling money. Right, right. Um, And he really did it to take care of his family, which you'll get into when you talk about his education a little bit, because you got that. (laughs) But um, what I want you guys to know about Modesto is he was a disciplinarian and he was kind of strict, but he he never abused the children. Um, No one really got that, you know, aggression except the mother in the family. That's where the aggression was toward. So, you know, unlike a lot of the killers we talked about, he didn't, Andrew didn't come from like a traumatizing past really at all. Well, I wouldn't, well, trauma is also takes different forms. Right. But not from the family, not from his parents, because he was the golden child. Right. So, I mean, I think that is something we should talk about a little bit, Mm -hmm. uh, specifically, um, it's reported that they gave him like the master bedroom when they moved into a new house and that he got special gifts and special treatment. Uh, and because social mobility is a real thing, people want to, especially, uh, and this is me spe- not speaking from experience, but speaking from written accounts that I've read and friends that immigrant, and you could talk about this too, yeah, that, yeah, that immigrant families and they'll tell you, like the parents will tell you, like we talked about with Sylvie Cachet mm-hmm. is you have to work. Three times as hard, twice as hard, three times just as hard. You need to outwork everybody around you to make it so that you could stand head and shoulders mm-hmm. above them. Right. And so social mobility was super important to him. 
uh, and to Podesto. And so that mentality is something that he definitely drilled into Andrew. Um, and you'd see this as a catalyst for a lot of his perspective and thinking coming later in life. Um, and this favoritism saw Andrew being enrolled at the Bishop School. And the Bishop School is this really prestigious, exclusive, expensive... I've never heard of this school. ...private school uh, in La Jolla. It's not La Jolla. Like, I, was, I thought it was. <laughs> it's La Jolla, California. It's J-O-L-L-A, but it is not. It's Jolla, like, Spanish. Uh, <laughs> so I always forget California is a Spanish word. Right. Or is a Native American word. Don't talk to me. Uh, <laughs> but it was, it was at the Bishop yeah. School... Where Andrew really started to feel like he was amongst his people because of this upward mobility as, like attitude he had, mm-hmm. like coming from very modest beginnings with something he didn't want. Right. He had got he had made friends who were making whose parents made a lot of money, so he started experiencing this life. And this is before social media, right? So he didn't have to be, have anything to aspire. He was like living. If in he it. had Instagram, it would be just oh, man. the fakest mess like he would have all the pictures of him in the nicest places with the right. nicest things in someone's backyard with a lot of green and lush like <laughs> yes. so it was he was catching this and now that he's at bishop everybody's family has money right. and so all his friends that he's making are friends of of means right. and so he becomes quite the charmer according to his classmates but also quite the storyteller he became such a pretty adept liar you lying and friends and people would say you got to take it with a grain of salt you got to be careful because andrew would be known to spin things just a little bit. Yeah. And we see it a lot. And there was a moment even when he told his friends that, you know, my dad's in the Filipino mafia mm-hmm. and he's back there, you know. And so like things that and <laughs> things that you might be able to believe because there are there is money shifting and money coming and they're moving to newer, nicer places as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like, is this upward mobility? Something that's happening because of mafia money from these kids' standpoint, but also embezzlement. So, like, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. we're seeing things that's move where, here. You know, I mean, Modesto had to afford this school for Andrew. And so we're going to go ahead and assume this embezzled money was going towards that school because he wasn't on scholarship. I was like, was he on scholarship? Because he had, to be honest, the IQ. Right, he was very smart. smart. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. So, but, but he was the only one of his siblings to go. To go it was right. like, it was definitely something that was pointed. And he was, he was kind of, again, he's... This, this charmer, but he also was still clinging to this materialism. And one of his classmates even remarked that, you know, when everyone was putting pennies in their penny loafers, that Andrew was putting in dimes. Like he needed I mean, to. Let's say bougie. Yes, he is bougie. hashtag bourgeois. Hashtag bougie. Uh, <laughs> he also, one of the apex moments of his high school career was getting most, I mean, least likely to be forgotten, which I mean, for Andrew, that's a big deal. He was super excited about that. I mean, I would be too. I came very close to um, nicest smile mm-hmm. in high school. I lost. I was third behind uh, two people with very nice smiles. But I will maintain that they won because they were lighter skinned than I was. I'm just throwing <laughs> it out there. I'm the, none of them were none of them were white, but they were light skinned. You brown have a people. very nice smile. Chanel. I already know. I just want to give you your things. Jeez. And it was back in like 2007 where everyone was hyped up on light skin. So like it was a thing. Oh yeah, you yeah. remember this? Yeah, I remember this. And so I was, I was like, too for a minute. They are really nice people too, and I don't like you today. But also, it was during this time that Andrew also made it known that he was gay to his peers specifically, to his classmates, um, catcalling and whistling at athletes at school. And no even shame, just none. on the fields, especially in like we're talking the 80s, right? So. And there and there's also once we get into his life, I want to talk about a little bit about the uh, the background thing that's happening because we're gonna get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but even then, there were reports that during this time in high school that he was having he had connections to older gay men in the area, which older doesn't have to. He's if he's seventeen, eighteen now, like older doesn't have to mean fifty. But I would imagine he his chase and for clout would put him at the. The, yeah. the peak for older rich yeah. guys but so we had these predators mm-hmm. like in his life so we there's so many things happening in the background as he's going up and so many things he's trying to put on this face but also trying to reach a certain point so he's got right. a he's got a lot going on daddy's embezzled money was not enough for him he had to get it from his older men well he all but because he also wasn't we have to remember like he was getting these gifts he got a he got a, right. a new car all mm-hmm. this stuff so he he could be flashy yeah but he needed to have it's never enough and one of the creepy things that was pointed out in the documentary I watched, and I found a picture of it, I sent it to D to put up yeah, with the rest yeah. of this, is 
the obvious absence of any kind of words in pictures in his yearbook as opposed to other uh, seniors, mm-hmm. where other seniors celebrated their friends, took like pictures of them in clubs or at the prom, things like that. Andrew simply had one phrase, and I can't speak French, but I will give you the translation. And it mean it just translates to "after me the storm." That was it. That it was looks it. so blank compared right. to everybody you know, else's. Pictures, it stands yeah. out. And I'll, I'll put it up, but there were pictures, like you said, pictures of friends and you know lots of quotes and stuff. He only had one sentence. So I mean, that shows you that the only person important to Andrew was Andrew. He was right. the center of his own world, and hopefully, in his eyes, to everyone else. So this is where things start to shift with Andrew from, you know, daddy giving him money and, you know, having those extra resources to daddy deserting him in 1988. And why does daddy desert him, D? Daddy deserts him because it seems like the FBI were investigating daddy uh, for embezzlement. They figured out that he was embezzling money as a stockbroker, showed up to the house, showed up to his job. And daddy left. Yeah. So daddy, was, daddy was like, I'm not going to jail, jail. No, not me. <laughs> Y'all are going to jail. No. So he was accused of embezzling over $106,000 right. in stock specifically. Uh, and so to avoid arrest, he fled the country and went back to the Philippines. This left basically the rest of the family in destitute. The mom wasn't really working. She didn't have no, to she was No, she was a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. And so she ends up... Going on public assistance, welfare, food stamps. And what a nightmare for Andrew. Right. And, and But this is also a beautiful time for Andrew in his eyes because much like all of us, freshman year of college is a real thing where you can go and you can be whatever you want. Right. So we saw him enroll at the University of California at San Diego. Uh, go Tritons. The only reason I know that is because I watched a lot of college basketball in my day. Uh, they're D1. Uh, that's the only reason I know. And he decides he wants to study American history. So, like, he's got... Yeah, he's so he got gets to point. leave that. Yeah, so yeah. he gets to leave. Again, you can lie. Just the same way he did at the Bishop School, where he lied about what his parents did. Lied about who he was, where they got their money from. He gets to go to school and do the same thing. Uh, one of the weird things we have going on here is that in December of 1988, Andrew goes to the Philippines to track down his father. Right. He finds him living in the crappiest of conditions. In the worst uh, of the worst. And, and like, Andrew a rundown. Andrew is like... Not me. Right. Not these fingernails. And he stay right. And he stays there for a month. And so one of the things I wanted to point out too is like according to some of the articles I read is that I think it was uh what's this book? Anatomy of a Motive by John Douglas. And John Douglas is what Mind Hunter on Netflix is based on. Um Andrew worked as a sex worker to afford his fare to get back home. Mm-hmm. So we see him like the willingness to do right. things and like I wish, I mean, I wish we knew more more about the kind of like if he had any struggles, like if he wrestled with anything, or did it come mm-hmm. easily? Because we we're gonna talk a little bit about the antisocial the personality right. and, uh, uh, tendencies and right, and some things that were missing. But we could assume that you know he had some of those tendencies. But you know, just in thinking about his family, he saw criminal behavior. Right. Um, I'm sure he probably figured his dad was getting this money some way. Um. And not from being a stockbroker. Stockbrokers make decent money. They make money, money, but not that type of money. And so that anti-social type of I'm going against the social norms and, you know, finding my way around. I think in a way he was also used to that behavior because he saw it with his father. And it probably wasn't that much of a motive for him, but he saw it and it almost gave him another okay to do this stuff. Yeah. Like it's secondary. But I mean, I'm sure, like I said, he was you know, participating in interesting relationships in high school to fund himself. Mm-hmm. So he had that be- he had those behaviors as well. There's a lot happening. Yeah. And it was also during this time that his devout Catholic mother uh would learn that Andrew was gay. So Andrew came out to mm-hmm. his mom around this time, around the time his father ends up deserting the family. Mm-hmm. And they actually get into a physical altercation. Yeah. And Andrew ends up slamming his mom against the wall, dislocating her his shoulder. shoulder. Yes. Um, and now his dad always denies knowing that Andrew was right. gay. And right. most of the family, though, would admit 
that they knew that he was gay and they just chose to ignore it, much like most devout religious families. Right. They're like, we, we Especially know he's a little... since he's the four, I'm oh, sorry, the 142 IQ. Right. You know, he was the one who was going to bring them more success. And that's even more reason for people. Like, I'm pretty sure if he was like the failure of the family, they would ostracize They him would easily. just go after, right. I mean, when you think about it, people love you if you're good for business. Right. I, no I matter feel like what. a lot of times with gay people, too, like you'll, you talk about the church a lot if you want, but the church is one of the places where if you're good for business if you can sing well mm-hmm. or if you're great with the funding right things like that they people will ignore the fact that they know you're gay right. growing up in in church i remember seeing the guys with the bow ties and the bracelets and things like that directing the choir with the fun hair but no one said <laughs> nothing about them no one said nothing about them because again good for business right. so andrew was a favorite because he was smart and driven and he had rich friends and like you can let things go Girl, if that's right. the case and so part of me feels bad for him mm-hmm. because it was like this this we're gonna ignore these really like important intimate parts of you for the things that you could do right but in the eyes of Andrew, he probably didn't even care what anyone thought. No, and again, not at it all. Was well, he cares, and he but was out. he doesn't care what his family thinks. Yeah, not his they're family. Not the people he needs right, to impress. Right. <laughs> he was he was doing his damn thing um, until <laughs> 1990, mm-hmm. where he drops out of UCSD. Can't do it. Nope. And he moves to the Castro mm-hmm. uh, with a friend of his, the historically Gary of San Fran. Sorry, mm-hmm. San Francisco. Francisco. Where he could live his best gay life, you know. And that's and, what he was like, doing. Be whoever, whatever, be and be from whenever. <laughs> he literally becomes the scene, like part of the gay Turn scene. up. In the cash. Like, he yeah. used multiple aliases, befriending older men, you know, dating them for money. And it also was reported that he was interested in almost getting into uh, pornography. Yeah, so there's a story. Which he could have done. I feel like he could have done it. Well, the thing about Andrew Cunanan is what people would always say about him is that one, outside of his charm, and if you look at pictures, that he's a handsome man. Right. And it's, it's, unfortunately, because of the way society is set up, it's easy for a charming, good looking person to do terrible things and get away with it and get into circles just because they're more trusting and their people want you around aesthetically. You're the, you're the better of the two, Mm -hmm. uh, type. So yeah, there's a lot of things that, go into this he becomes that well-known player in the nightlife um you you know he becomes this prankster this flirt he's always buying rounds of drinks and always paying for people's party put that in quotes um because we know what that means things like cocaine and Mm -hmm. and a new a new player in this in around this time too was the kind of the real rise of crystal meth and things like that that started yeah so there's a lot of things happening right here Mm -hmm. and i think that uh, I think there was even one point. He goes by a few different names, like Andrew Cummings. He just mm-hmm. tells people Andrew De Silva is typically the one he uses, mm-hmm. but he tells these lies. He tells stories about uh, being an Israeli and mm-hmm. being a having his ex wife and having a kid, showing pictures of a family that aren't his. Like, yes. like he's he goes. I mean, the far lies continues like from high school to this, and it helps serve him to put the image, whatever image he needed to get ahead, he would use that image and that's exactly what he did so around 1991 he meets uh a naval officer in one of these clubs named jeffrey trail who's stationed in san diego yes um they become friends um you call him his best friend yes at this time it's the 90s and there was the whole don't ask don't tell that Mm -hmm. you can't so like being gay in the navy it was pretty hard for jeffrey to make the friends um, so he kind of hung make off, the friends, make the friends. <laughs> so it's kind of hard for Jeffrey to like find people that he could bond with, but he did with Andrew. And I would even go as far as to say that it's difficult for someone putting on so many faces to find people right. to get close to him. And I think that's what happens. I think mm-hmm. it's when you live stuck in this life of fantasy and lies that it becomes really hard to endear yourself to other people and it's hard right. to connect. And most because you don't want them to, uh, you know, if you get too close, you might see the truth. But uh, my grandma used to say something that if you stand in the dark long enough, your eyes will adjust. Right. Like you, she didn't say it like that, but it's some old country saying that I'm not trying to remember all of it. But it's just that like you, if you turn off the lights in your room, eventually you're gonna be able to see, you know, around, like, so that's what was, I think that's exactly what Andrew was really terrified of is right. you get too close. You're going to realize that I'm Andrew Cunanan mm-hmm. and my daddy wasn't always of means and really truly wasn't ever <laughs> but like these are i mean who I am. and to be honest like jeff was able to discern that a little bit because friends reported that he thought that andrew was a drug dealer 
Right. Yeah. So he was like, you know, maybe he's not what he is. Like, maybe he's just getting this money from selling drugs because he was flaunting that money around yeah. you know, Jeffrey. And Jeffrey's like, uh, what's going on? Yeah. So, everyone around, I feel like everyone around Jeffrey had questions. Like, Jeffrey's sister said that he seemed yeah. like Andrew had this strange fascination with, with Jeff, Jeffrey. trying to emulate him, trying Haircuts to be like Haircuts are the same at the right. same time. But you also so. have to understand, like, there's a power that comes with a uniform sometimes. You're like, you're in the Navy. Like, there's all these things that are in Jeff. Jeffrey Trail is a good looking guy. Yeah, he was. So, like, there is, like, again, <laughs> it, but it's Andrew Keenan, and he's right. never attaching himself to people who aren't attractive. Right. So, like, he's got this You're strong. You're either attractive looking, or wealthy, and those were the standards. If you could be both. Yeah. It'd be perfect. Those are the standards for Andrew. And it was said that they were friends. They had some rumors that they were lovers, but everyone denied it. But he would take him shooting and, mm-hmm. you know, on activity. So they became close. As you would. And. In this, and his travels within these wealthy gay circles, we saw Andrew start to connect with other people. Um, it's Norman Blatchford. Uh, he met mid-1994. I call him his daddy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and it, it's really sad, though, because at this point, his um, his partner had died mm-hmm. uh, from AIDS complications. So mm-hmm. he was, you know, he was there kind of reeling, single, vulnerable, available, mm-hmm. but the most important part of that was that he was rich, rich. to Andrew. Like rich, rich. And, right, millions because and Because he, he f- funded Andrew. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. And so right away, Andrew meets this guy and clings to him, mm-hmm. talks of culture, art. They became a little bit of an item. And so Andrew really got access to all these swanky establishments. Right. And at this point, Blanchford, Norman Blanchford's still living in Phoenix, which is like an hour and a half flight uh, to the San Diego area. Right. So, or La Jolla, specifically. <laughs> I love that name. I'm naming my daughter that. So there was a lot of <laughs> time be, in between. Don't be that. the Chicago West. Don't, don't do this. <laughs> this long, I'm going to do it. So this long-distance relationship still opened the door for Andrew to continue to sell drugs, sleep around, find other sugar daddies in this aspect. So there was a lot of things going on until he convinced Blanchford to move to La Jolla, no, at least yeah. the area. Right. And then they bought. He bought this nine hundred thousand dollar house. Are you Are you sad? Yeah, he bought him an Infinity. Like yeah, remember, yeah, like this yeah. back when Infinities were blowing up, and gave him an allowance of two thousand dollars a month. Can you imagine? In the nineties, two thousand dollars a month. Right. We should figure out what that did. <laughs> you, you go <laughs> ahead. Go ahead. But go ahead, continue talking. Take us there, girl. So, um, at 1995 comes and he meets a upcoming architect, a up and coming architect, David Madsen. David Madsen was another handsome guy he met. I guess you know David was eating alone in a restaurant, and I feel like. Andrew has a, a way to prey on people that they see that are vulnerable. He's just so good at it, um, which we'll talk about later as well. I just want to also interrupt just to tell you how much it is. Um, $2,000 <laughs> in 1995 was $3,356.49. <laughs> so that's, I mean, it's, yeah. it's also California. It so matters. Expensive. Yeah, but I'm sorry. So Go ahead. You said. He has that the he ability to prey on people. And he yes. definitely targeted David Madsen, who was eating alone. Kind of visiting friends in the San Francisco, Francisco area. area. He's from Minnesota. Don't, no, yeah, that was Wisconsin. I was going to do that. It's still kind of, they don't have the same accent, but it's still still kind of Midwest. See, I've been to, I love Minnesota. It's it's pretty. I've never been. It's very clean. It's very pretty. It's where the Timberwolves are from. Yeah. Kevin Garnett. I don't, mm. No, no. Not a thing that's Carl Anthony Towns. Anybody listening from Minnesota knows exactly what I'm talking about. If you like basketball, Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, like, they were almost, they almost did. It doesn't matter. You know, pretty Um, things from uh, Minnesota was also David Madsen. That's true. Yes. <laughs> so they became actually lover, lovers. They were not just friends. No, not at all. Because Andrew couldn't just do that. No, but before then, and I don't know, I almost can't figure out if he broke up with Norman first and then became, nope. because I was like, I think they were dating at the same time. Well, yeah. What makes you think that Andrew is a decent <laughs> dude? So what happens here is they meet and they met in 1995 right. and they have they say that the, the night they met they had a non-sexual kind of adult sleepover which okay no, okay um but they they stayed together lovers right. but it was an it was only in the fall of 1996 that Andrew's kind of dream life came crashing down because Norman Blatchford actually became pretty wary and fearful of Andrew specifically because he wasn't sure who he was right. he had no idea where Andrew was earning this extra money. 
He couldn't get him to give him a phone number to reach him when he wasn't in town. It, it was said that Norman actually did some research and found out some of the lies that yeah, uh, it's definitely, Andrew was uh, telling. Stand in the dark long enough, right? <laughs> and so that relationship crumbled and now he's without his cash cow. So what do you do? You continue to sell more drugs. And it was reported that not only did he get more involved in the drug scene, mm-hmm. but he actually started getting into leather play and S&M. Oh, I didn't hear this. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. Chill out. And so, <laughs> wait, did I get too excited? Relax. What is that? <laughs> so leather play is like, have you ever seen those people who um, who do the uh, the harnesses? And I've always been... I've always been somewhat interested in that. Because Same I, thing. That's why I said, ooh. Yeah, like, not so much in participating. I would participate. But, yeah, no, not me. <laughs> but like going out to gay clubs in the area and things like that, you would see people in harnesses sometimes for right. different events. And I've always wondered what the appeal was. And like, like you, you don't tug on them because people get weird about it. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, ooh, what's that? And I'm like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I saw some rings. I tugged at them. Chill out, bro. Uh, but the S&M is sadomasochism. If you guys right. don't know what that is, I, we're... I'm not going to describe those things. Type of show. <laughs> this is not that kind of podcast. But it's typically people who walk those lines of play, pleasure and pain, or Rihanna's hit song. <laughs> sorry. So it's like even in even in sex, like the David. I'm sorry. Even in sex, Andrew needed to feel like he was in control, and he was again a major fixture in that community as well. Right. And we're going to see. No, wait. I didn't know this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to see this come into play later on. Now I think about it, I was like, no, I didn't know this about yes, him. Yes. <laughs> And so, but it was also during this time that Jeffrey Trail, his best friend, ended up taking a job for a propane delivery company in Minnesota. Yes. yes. And Andrew actually suggested that he reach out to David Madsen, who lives in Minneapolis. Yes, right. Um, and try to, you know, try to get him connected so he doesn't, so he has someone there that he yeah. knows. And David was actually one of the people who shows uh, Jeffrey around Minneapolis. So they become, they become not buddies, but, but acquaintances, yeah, you know, kind of getting to know each other. And Andrew, in this time, is also kind of, Continuing the spiral. Yeah. Uh, it's reported he's gaining weight, which, oh no, oh, you no. know, he's gaining weight. He's using uh, drugs, drugs a lot more heavily. Mm-hmm. And it was also at this time that it's reported that he had a major fallout with Jeffrey Trail. And the speculation was that it's because he may have warned David Madsen about the type of man mm-hmm. that Andrew Cunanan was. So mm-hmm. now there's a little bit of resentment. There was also up. a rumor that it was because Jeff. And um, David started something as well. Right. Which, you know, if you're lonely, you don't know anybody Should else in the could. city, yeah, you're spending possible. a lot of time together, a little They're bit of both wine. Both good looking guys. Both good looking guys doing decently for themselves. Like, I say live it up. I mean, they could have been a thing. I mean, do you. But, so this is things. And so, with with David, I, these so many names. Mm-hmm. So with Andrew, mm-hmm. again, feeling out of control and desperately needing it. Right again, this antisocial aspect of things right. being disconnected. But... So he decides to tell his friends, I'm moving to San Fran, but first I'm going to handle some business mm-hmm. in yeah, Minneapolis. What business do you have in Minneapolis, Not Andrew? a damn thing. Not a damn thing. He wanted to be a part. He wanted to be a party or a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It means divide, divider. I guess. <laughs> I can't talk today. I'm, I'm all talked out. All right. Look at that. We're in 1997 already. Are we? Yeah, we are. We moved quick. What a time. What a time. Even the 90s were a great time. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, the style was a little iffy. It was. Scrungies. um, Acid wash. You think? Jeans. Wore a lot of nylon in the 90s. I did. I remember my parents doing a lot of... The 90s were amazing. I don't care what anybody says. I don't know what you're talking about. And they're making I was also like eight. So at this point, so the world didn't matter to me. I remember when like hit clips and the Backstreet Boys were a thing. Britney Spears oh, yeah, was just yeah. about to be a thing. I remember yes, yes. when she was like showing up in the beginning of like MTV things. I'm like, who is this new no, white I girl? That whole Get thing. into it. Hit me, baby, one more time. TLC was popping. Like yeah. all these things were happening. In that but the outfits. Was, the outfits were fire. Shut up. What are you? Okay. Um, sure. don't yo crime con. I'm walking around and like. Fubu. And just, I'm walking around <laughs> behind Fubu and you. Just Don't like, do it. Perry Ellis. Yo, how much Perry Ellis? I, I had have? a Perry Ellis. Oh, man. Anyway, okay, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> Flashback. We left. We went in I'm sure time. everyone listening, I hope, well, maybe they, some people are young, man. Maybe they didn't experience No, some years. people have no idea what to talk about. Like, I, Google it. One of my youth group kids is like, yeah, when are we born? He's like, oh, 2004. I said, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> 
Uh, wait till those kids go to college. Oh, no. Shut up. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. So we're at 94 and he's 97. in... 97. 97. Wow. And we're in Minneapolis, Minnesota now in 1997, um, where he meets up with Jeffrey and Dave, David at the time. Um, so he first meets up with Jeffrey Trail. Um, he... Uh, Talks to him a little bit and then goes over to David. Now, it's said that with David, he wanted to marry him. David was the love of his life. It was his for real, the love of his life. And he went over and actually proposed to David. And uh, David, I don't know if it's because, Je- you know, Jeffrey had told David about, you know, who Andrew, Andrew was. Life but, back in San Diego and what it really looked like. Right. Um, but he said no. He said no, and that, you know, we're talking about a time in Andrew's life where he's losing everything. He's lost, you know, what people weren't talking about. He was losing his home or, like, selling drugs and losing his cash cow. Like, he was losing everything. He was literally moving out there because he was losing his home. Like, he didn't have anywhere to go. Right, so it was, like, kind of his last-ditch effort to grab at straws. Right. And so it was it was more of a let's hang out and so David Madsen's friends had found out and they're like, you know what? You shouldn't let him stay with you. You right. talked about what you learned. And he's like, he's only going to stay with me for one night. As, right. And, and that one night he goes out to dinner with his and friends. And they hated him. With a passion. Hated him. One of the documentaries I was watching said that uh, he had made a comment to one of David's friends saying, aren't you just a bitch? Or right. Something. Like, like straight up to one of his whoa, friends. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Like friends you don't know. he said it very know. flatly too. Yeah. Which I could hear. Yeah. In my head. So. These, all these things, all these things are happening, and it's a mess. And so, next thing you know, mm-hmm. you see that David and Andrew had been seen walking David's dog. Neighbors saw them walking his dog, right? Mm-hmm. And so, there was a lot of things that had happened in between this, though. <laughs> right. And then, poof, David disappears. Mm-hmm. No one sees David. No one sees David. And so we're like, oh, okay. So the friends are like, this is this is not normal. He doesn't come to work. Um, for two straight days, he doesn't come to work at all. So at some point, being concerned with Andrew and then being concerned of his absence, they send the police. Yeah, well, we, we're talking about David's friends saw him. Yeah, David's yeah. friends see him. And not coming to work. And he was actually doing really well in the architecture. Yeah. Like he was, he was doing well. But one thing that is noticed, too, is that Andrew had invited Jeffrey to David's home. Right. And so when the police get there knocking the door and no one answers, wellness check kicks in the door. What do they find but the body of Jeffrey Trail? He had been beaten to death with a claw hammer several times in the head and rolled up in a rug. Intense. His watch had stopped at 9.55 p.m., which made investigators think that the time of the killing had to be Night before the Sunday, April 27th. Now, they couldn't identify who the man was. I know at first they thought it was uh, David until the friends corrected him and said, no, David has blonde hair. Right. And they could see that um, the person in there had um, dark hair. So then they were thinking it was Andrew. They didn't say that Andrew had came, um, dark hair man. And so they were believing that actually Andrew was dead for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But not nah, so. No, nah, that's not what and happened. And at this point still, David is still missing. Right. Until four days later, on May 3rd, two fishermen found David Madsen's body near East Rush Lake. And he was found with two with gunshot wounds to his head and to his back. And now his body showed no signs of restraint. So there was a lot of thought that if he, he was taken against his will. And sometimes when you're taking people hostage, one, if you have a firearm, it doesn't you don't always have to restrain them. And two... If you have a relationship with someone, you just feel obligated to go in hopes that you could change their mind. Maybe you could reach them. You know, I'm getting love of my life. Like I want to, I want to take you with me wherever I go. So David was trying, maybe trying to play on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the only defensive wounds were on his fingers, suggesting that you know he had raised his hands at some point to try mm-hmm. to deflect the shots. Right. And so maybe David walked in mm-hmm. on Andrew killing Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. And that was what set it off. And that's some of the speculation, yes. too. And so you're like, get in your car. We're going. Mm-hmm. And they went. Um, around this time, it was when the coroners ID'd the body that was found in David Madison's apartment. And they identified him as Jeffrey Trail. So now we have dead body of Jeffrey. David. Missing, like, yeah. well, now dead body of yep, David. David. And now also missing is 
Andrew. Da- Andrew <laughs> and David's car. Right. And so in this, we see in his red Jeep. Very, very Rare. prominent red. red color. That my grandma used to tell me never buy a red car because cops will pull you over. Yeah, no, my my parents yeah. too, and old I never school did. Black people, man. Yeah. I don't know what it is. <laughs> and I so I never did. <laughs> I've never purchased a red. Well, my car is maroon, but it's no, not red. The same thing. It'll never be red. And so we find Andrew is heading east. Mm-hmm. Um, he lands in Chicago, where he happens upon the home. Not happens. I'm sorry. He invades the home of Lee Miglin mm-hmm. and the 72 year old real estate tycoon was found dead in the garage of his Gold Coast home that morning of May 4th. He was bound with duct tape. He was stabbed more than 20 times with a screwdriver and had his throat cut open with a hacksaw and his head had been wrapped with duct tape to look like one of those masks you would see in an S&M film. So backtrack a little bit. Let's backtrack, backtrack, backtrack. Um, who was Lee Miglin? Lee Miglin was a prominent Chicago, I wouldn't say socialite, but kind of. Like he was a, he was rich, a real estate tycoon. He, yeah, he, he was, was a tycoon. And he was actually working on the, I want to say it was called the something needle, the Chicago needle. I actually looked this up. It was a building that he was working on and he wanted to architect. But how does Andrew know him? Well, no one really knows. But knowing the circles that Andrew kept, and he was, you know, a rich older male, um, some speculated that they were actually lovers at one point. Um, he was married, and his wife vehemently denies that, you know, Lee was gay and Lee participated in any relationship with Andrew. But but the connection, the that, connection, and who Andrew was. No, not so much. So there is belief that Andrew knew of Lee Miglin without Lee Miglin knowing of Andrew, really? because Lee Miglin's son Duke was an actor. Oh yeah, they did mention that as yeah, well yeah, as yeah. a possibility. And so Andrew would casually drop Duke Miglin's name mm-hmm. at bars and at parties to appear like he knows somebody again who's rich, yeah. and that was the connection. But what they was would, the movie that uh, Duke was in? It was Air Force One. This and I totally forgot. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was definitely the type of person that Andrew would be kind of after. We see this uh, this thirst for fortune, for access, mm-hmm. and even people you don't know. Like it's not even people he's connected to. Like it wasn't San Diego. It's people he's just heard of mm-hmm. and using that. You know what? It made me uh, think that though they had a connection, Lee Miglin and and um, Andrew, and you never know. He could have opened the door, but it doesn't seem like there was a struggle. No, there's no struggle. That's why everyone was like... Thinking that he had to know him. Yeah, maybe from knowing Duke, maybe he did meet Duke. I was going to say, Andrew is young enough to say, I'm a friend of Duke, you know, he's told me to... So there's a lot of speculation as to what could have happened here. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, while canvassing the neighborhood in that evening, police discovered the red Jeep uh, around the corner, and it was identified as belonging to David Madsen, Mm -hmm. and missing from the garage of this home was Miglin's green 1994 Lexus, mm-hmm. along with $2,000 and some pretty expensive suits. Right. So one of the most interesting things about Andrew is that he was able to kind of change his look. Right. And even without having to do too much, I'm not talking Hollywood mm-hmm. makeup, but glasses, no glasses, haircut, hairy length, clothes. Insane. Bronzer. Like, he would like- go out of his way. You, I cut off my hair, you still know it's me. But with him, for some reason, a hairstyle could change him so much. And I'm like, I'm kind of envious because you're kind of like a chameleon. He really, he really honestly was. Mm -hmm. And so once he was finally connected to this Lee Miglin murder, right? This places Andrew on the FBI. 10 most wanted fugitive list. And they had like four pictures of him. If you guys could look it up, look. And he looked different every time. (laughs) I mean, he had very ambiguous features anyways, because, you know, he had mixed heritage. So, I mean, and he played off of that. Filipino and Italian, yeah. Yeah, he played off of that very well. It was. And, I mean, shout out to Hollywood casting for finding the one Filipino, Italian, like, actor, (laughs) Darren Chris, to to play. play. It was just so weird that that happened. I didn't even knew that Darren Chris's mom was Filipino. Mm -hmm. Like, it's something that never gets mentioned, really. So, that, that was kind of cool. And so now we know that David is on the run. He's mm-hmm. he's going somewhere. Mm-hmm. And he continues to head east. And he was so audacious, so bold that he even used the car's cell phone. Right. Which they're able it gets pinged. Yes, they're able to track it. Philadelphia. Yeah. And so now we have the Philadelphia police force holding this conference saying, We're looking and there's billboards like 
missing and looking for from a homicide like this, this 1994 green license. this is where it gets so angry because i was like oh there wasn't that you know kind of hold it in so they don't know like if they kept that from the news media he wouldn't have heard it he wouldn't have ditched the car but also you have to find him so I like guess. what like how if you're you want uh, eyes everywhere and this but is his before, eyes were everywhere this is before too. twitter where you could like <laughs> we find we see little girls get found because right. of twitter and things like that so people who would just have immediate access to something as opposed right. to back then you need to have eyes, find a pay phone, find a working phone, whatever. And so he's this audacious. And Philadelphia's police puts out this news conference. We're looking for this person in this car. And he realizes it because he hears it on the he radio on where the radio. they assume. And he realizes he needs to dump this vehicle. And he does just that at the Inns Points National Cemetery in Pennsville, New Jersey, mm. where 45-year-old caretaker William Reese was found dead and his pickup truck missing. Right. So, Andrew, this is a we're on full on Marin Hunt now. Yeah, they know it's who also they're full on spree killing. Like right. this is yeah, this is in a short matter of time. Four people are dead, and where do we go next in this red truck that we stole from the man we murdered? One of my favorite places on the planet, first of all, which makes me so mad. Right. We go to Miami. South Beach, baby. Yeah. Uh, oh, I love memories. I, mean, I love that we both were like I as well. <laughs> yes. It was everything. One of my favorite vacations. Oh, the ever. men's. <laughs> yeah, and it was kind of frustrating because you couldn't tell which ones were European and which ones were gay. So <laughs> everybody had on a speedo. No, not a problem. Everybody me. was in a speedo. So I you're like, didn't I can't tell. Sir, and I'll find out later. What'd you say? I'll find out later. And be heartbroken, probably. We had a conversation about this. You don't week. get heartbroken. You move on to the next one in Miami. Well, there's so many. <laughs> I, I mean, not me. I wasn't doing much in Miami, but like drinking during the day and like buying things I didn't I eat. was fully single and on Twitter just swiping all the Wait, men's when did you go? See, I went before t- Tinder was invented. Oh, no. I, I went recently, uh, 2015. I was 2012. Oh, yeah. I man. was also 21. Oh, or, no, I was 22, living my best life. And I was also super like thin. 29? It was like all the guys on Grinder were like, there was everybody was within a mile. There was like I was 300 not fit, people. but I was still having a good old time. Oh, that's what's <laughs> So he heads to Miami and he checks into the Normandy Plaza Hotel, mm-hmm. pays cash, mm-hmm. right? And continues to pay cash. And we're just, I'm going to venture to guess and from reports and things that sex work all these things yes. finding drugs um, it was it was a lot of drug dealing sex work too fun for these uh hotel where he's staying at right. this time and this and this woman let's let's be very known that he comes in he pays he's very nice he's quiet he doesn't do anything mm-hmm. um and then around july 7th he obviously runs out of money so he actually pawns a gold coin Belonging to Lee Miglin, the now seventy-two, the seventy-two-year-old victim from Chicago, right? And in this, fills out a form using his real name, Andrew Cunanan, and a thumbprint. I don't know. What are you thinking at this point? This is this is confidence, or this is you're just completely out of control at this point. I think he was but, completely out of control. Yeah, which where you don't care anymore. It doesn't matter. You feel almost what's the word invincible. Like no yeah. one, like. I'm I'm the one of the most wanted men in, in the country, and I'm coming and going as I please. And what could have happened? So by law, pawn shop owners and workers have to send this form to the police department. Right. But because of a backlog at the police department, it never gets looked at. Right. So they could have found. Like, they could have found exactly they could have where at least, it was. Like, found a some kind of mm-hmm. circumference or right. radius. Mm-hmm. And math and geometry, or I think that's <laughs> geometry. Um, but it just never looked at. What also happens is, I believe the help wanted, I mean, the FBI most wanted uh, posters didn't get there to the, so they were posting these There's posters things, everywhere. Yeah. So there was another thing, like, I think the hotel had a whole bunch of FBI most wanted posters. Mm-hmm. His wasn't there because it never got down there. Yeah, Miami is a, a very popular place if you want to go and just, much like Hi, New York City, right. you want to go. There's just so, it's so transient. So many people are in and out on vacation. People are kind of, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, passing through. Uh, but on July 11th, only four days later, he was spotted by a sandwich shop worker who recognized him from America's Most Wanted. And I'm assuming that Andrew realized something was wrong because if I'm anxious about someone, I'm going to continue to watch you. And he ends up leaving before the police officers get there. Right. And so, like, again, it's just amazing coming and going as he please. And there were as many as 10 reported sightings okay. of him and no one can still find him. Right. But what we could imply and what we do know 
is that he had his eyes, mm-hmm. his sights, his kneelings and dealings on a certain very famous Italian fashion designer who happens to own a home. We're going to talk about Miami. this for a second. Is it Johnny Versace or is it? It, it's not G, it's not how everyone pronounces it. Everyone pronounces it Gianni Versace. Yes. But I think it's Johnny. It's like Johnny. Johnny. Like Johnny. Johnny, Johnny. 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 Gianni. Gianni. Johnny Versace. Yes. <laughs> and most people would think, like, if it was me, like, you're, I think Andrew's stalking, researching, hoping to get in contact with him hoping to talk to him, befriend him. Mm-hmm. Um, there were reports, eyewitness reports, a little bit, like in 1990 in San Francisco, that they had met in a club, and that's what we saw dramatized in the show. Right. I watched the first episode, and that was it. I saw but, the whole thing. <laughs> but we saw that meeting. He meets him in a club. You know, mm-hmm. he speaks French, or I'm sorry, Italian to him, because his mom's yeah. Italian. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, tries to impress him. And so there's, they're trying to draw that connection. Again, there's eyewitnesses that said these two did, in fact, come in contact with each other. But for liability's sakes, the Versace company denies that this ever happened. Right. I mean, you, you, you do what you want to do. It's, it's the figure estate. it out. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, on July 10th, he wasn't even there that long. So July 10th, Versace had flown into Miami so he could spend time at his at his mansion, his villa. Mm-hmm. This, this is a beautiful place if you've ever seen the pictures right. of it. And on July 15th, he goes out for his typical morning walk. He goes out to buy magazines and get coffee. And as he was getting home, he puts his key in the gate. Mm-hmm. And before he could turn it, no one other than Andrew Cunanan walks up behind him and shoots him twice in the head. This Oops. is probably what everyone knows as the famous Versace this is, murder. Yeah, this is it. Yeah. This is um, what... Andrew Cunanan is very much known for this murder, but we often forget the other people he killed on the way yeah on the way to this murder because this one was so publicized so big but he was a wanted man by the time this happened yeah oh definitely he was super wanted and so i mean most of the time when you're thinking about this i think a lot of podcasts a lot of documentaries start with the versace murder we were not yeah it doesn't make sense to me no because there and you know what i understand versace is a big name and a big person but it takes away from the people that he murdered prior. But it also takes away from understanding the story. What takes it. And right. a lot of people speculate. Like there you go on the internet, you can speculate exactly um why he would have done it, what motivated him. And I think that it become I really think it became this sense of resentment. Mm-hmm. Because for so many years, he's only twenty seven years old. So right. for so many years he had put on this face of what he wanted to be and he kept coming in contact. Mm-hmm over and over with these people who had everything that he wanted and he right. had to pretend they didn't. And so Versace and Versace at the, in 97 was huge. Like huge. on every, like every magazine, every tabloid, like also remember being, being gay and being famous and being mm-hmm. rich was mm-hmm. not something that's so right. popular. Yeah. And he was like really typical the, now. one of the first designers that really came right. out and said he was gay and, you know, his boyfriend being present. So Right. So there's a there's a lot of things. And speaking of said boyfriend, like neighbors, uh boyfriend, longtime boyfriend whose name is gonna I'm gonna butcher, um, bolts after Andrew because they right. see this happen. Neighbors are like, What happened? Like obviously mm-hmm. and get scared down because he starts waving the gun at them. And so he now he's able to break into a crowd and just go. Right. The police who were just responding to the call find William Reese's pickup truck right. that he had stolen. And it's a long ways down from New Jersey. That it is. And not only did they find the truck, but they found a wealth of evidence in the truck that he had left blood-soaked clothing in the truck. Mm-hmm. His passport was in the truck. Yes. Uh, receipts from movie theaters and things. And he had taken, spent time in New York City. Mm-hmm. Like, everything that you would need to connect. Right. Andrew Cunanan murder. to every murder that happened before Gianni, I'm sorry, Johnny Versace is in this truck. Everything. And because the person he murdered was such a name, right, mm-hmm. it sparks this massive manhunt. Yes. Intense manhunt. All over the news. All over, And like I remember being eight years old, just like I can remember, um, I want to say very like, br- like briskly remembering like the O.J. Simpson 
chase and everyone talking about it afterward. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the Johnny Versace I was murder. a little like, older, but yes, I remember. I remember. Because, you know, you, as a kid, want to expire to, like, being able to afford Versace things and, like, famous people things. So I remember. And I was huge in the fashion world. I, I thought never I was, knew. I didn't know who the man was. I, I thought, I, listen, I had a little sewing machine that you just cranked. Like, I was a designer. Like, my thing with Barbie was making her clothes from the little fabrics I had. So I wanted to be Versace and have the clothes. So I remember this murder. Like, you know, I was a little bit older than you. So that memory is a little fresh. Right. No. So I just remember hearing the name, a name I didn't understand, and seeing pictures Mm -hmm. and people crowded outside this huge house and my Mm -hmm. mom talking about it with my aunts and things like that. And they're like, did you see that this happened? Blah, 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 blah. It's also one of the first times I ever heard the word gay as a child, too. So I didn't these... understand that concept, though, at that time. Oh, no. But no, so it was at this time that this manhunt ensues for Andrew Cunanan because, you, like I said, this no one's going to stop. Mm-hmm. No one's going to stop looking for him at all. Mm-hmm. And with almost 1,000 agents from across the country is taking part in this search now. And it becomes one of the biggest manhunts in history, yeah. 100%. And on July 23rd, 1997, mm-hmm. as a police team closes in on this houseboat where Andrew Cunanan was believed to be held up and they had been broken into, someone mm-hmm. had saw it, you know. Um, Andrew Cunanan then turns the gun that he used to kill Madsen, Reese, and Versace with on himself. Which, which was Trail's gun. That was Jeffrey Trail's gun. On himself and ends his own life. And he leaves no notes, no explanation, nothing Mm -hmm. for his crimes and leaves people with almost absolutely no answers. So let's talk about why a person like Andrew Cannon could have possibly commit this crime a little bit and what other people speculate that were in his life. Um, we kind of mentioned it, but the main thing with Andrew Cunanan is that everyone believed that he had antisocial personality disorder. Now, unlike what everyone thinks, it's not that you don't want to hang out with your friends and you don't... That is called being antisocial. Yes. Um, this is when you do things outside the norms of society, um, without feeling any type of way. We mentioned earlier about the school and we're like, okay, well, we would like to see some things connected and we wish we had more detail. And that's because around age 15 is where you start to see the antisocial personality stuff come out. You see issues with teachers, you see issues with school, but we don't get that from Andrew Cunanan at all. Um, probably because you don't you see people talk about this part with him at all, but you see problems in school, you see theft the only thing you do see throughout the course of his life is this deceitfulness the lying I was gonna say the that lying is, is consistent really... um but you know we usually have like even you know injuring animals that are like small you know aggression towards small children people mm-hmm. smaller than you less than or you know what they believe less than this starts around the age of 15 yes you can't be diagnosed with this until 18 but they usually have these preliminary preliminary things you probably usually see these preliminary things so with andrew we don't get that much details except for the lies but what we do see are the poor relationships that comes from the deceit it's one of those things that yeah i'm saying is not not only not only just the deceit but because remember i think that i think it's more of a even looking at jeffrey jeffrey actually knew things about andrew that no one else knew mm-hmm. you know there was a there should have been a safety there mm-hmm. you know so i wouldn't say if it's even poor i would go as far as to say abusive a um, little bit like yeah they have i mean that's part of the things but you see a lot of also shallow relationships right so the thing with somebody with antisocial is the real ability to feel normal emotions is really like you don't even know if they're real emotions there even with the love for david Matson. Um, it's questionable how much he really loved him because typically with people with antisocial personality, you can't really feel those deep emotions. And as you could, they could emulate those emotions very say, well. Yeah. I was like, they have trouble. Let me um, tell you. Not that they can't, but it's, it's difficult, I would yeah. say a lot. Yeah. It's when you're very, it's usually when it's coupled with other things, it's like a complete. To be able to, style. though, and this is why I question it, to be able to later then kill him. Right. You know, it, it should have been a little bit more difficult. And maybe it was. And that's why he brought him along with him. And, and it took a couple of days. But, you know, there's 
other things we saw later on in life that match up with the disorder, and I'm not gonna stay here too long, but we stay, see. stay. <laughs> this is all me. I got I broke out my DSM. I was all excited. I was like, yes. Get it how you live. <laughs> Thanks, Christine, for that. But you see, like people using charm to manipulate, and that was something you were so good at doing. Um, you saw the arrogance. Um, don't one thing you didn't see again. There's so rare things that you just didn't see is trouble with the law. Not until he really started murdering people that you saw real trouble with the law. He was involved in criminal behavior, right. like selling drugs and all that stuff, prostitution, but like, or sex work, I should say. But, you know, it's not until, you know, he murders people that he has real trouble with the law. And that's something you don't see at school either. You don't see the, the younger, like, in right. trouble with, like, school. I'm going gonna, gonna to take a leap here. Leap it. Follow, follow me through a thought. Um, because we're thinking about things that trigger this or cause this, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you, there aren't many causes to antisocial personality. So, like, no. people don't, there's like, you might be a gene or it might be this. And mm-hmm. what a lot of people think is that it's something that happens during the development of the brain. And we know that men, uh, mentally, brains develop a little bit slower than women. That's right. a thing. And I wouldn't gonna, I'm going to go as far. I'm not going to say that Modesto was abusive because it, aesthetically he was what everybody would want. Like a father that lauds over right. you, gives you everything. But I think it's the incessant drilling into his head that what you are is not good enough. You need to be this. Right. It counts as abuse. Whether right, or not right. we characterize it as harmful at the time. And so I think that is a thing. But also the thing I like to take into consideration is these older men that he was having these these connections with uh sexual or otherwise between the ages of 15 like in 18 like what was happening during those were they all consensual right like all these how things, did it start how did it start so like these things that can stunt because we know severe trauma also stunts emotional development and things like that right. so i'm like mm, you never like know. what happened in those like these years there's so much going on in his head and i think that also attributed to the I would lean the towards what you were talking about with um, the older men. Yeah. Um, it could have happened way before high school. And he just continued it because maybe the guy that originally did it was giving him things for it. Mm-hmm. So you never know what uh, started it or happened. Some of the things that I found interesting is after his death, his father um, tried to sell his story. He came back to America Try to sell his story and make it into, I think, a movie. Didn't he also join like a a weird sex cult or something? Like he came back and joined a cult. He was doing a lot. Yeah, yeah he did a lot of strange he things. Lot. He was throwing a lot of things at the wall, essentially. Yeah, like to see what whatever stick. was gonna work. Um, and what's crazy is no one knows where Modesto is now. Yeah, no one knows his whereabouts. No one knows if he's alive. But his him and his mother both said the mafia were involved. Mm. and uh, pen these murders on Andrew. So it's very interesting to grow up. I mean, I guess as by some way his family would deny his his wrongdoings, but I mean, it's a very far-fetched story and there was way too much evidence to even speculate that the mafia was involved. They would be this elaborate and stuff, but yeah, um right. I they know that uh if you're looking for Modesto, um they know that he married a, a Filipino woman. Right. There was a lot of things that he went and did. And like, that he, like, but there was no trace of him after. No. They, ass- they assume that he's dead. And there was some report that he, he passed away. I mean, but... he would be he would be of of a certain age now. Right. Upwards of 80. Right. Um, I, I just love the his constant denial of the gayness. He was like, he was gay by association. Oh, yeah. Denial like, well, of the gayness. Denial of the murders by both parents. Mafia did it for mom, mom said. Uh, that I think co-signed on that idea too. So I mean, who knows? And that what's so funny is the FBI has no record of uh, them looking for Modesto. Yeah, um, and uh, I guess a, a sadder note is the one we think about, who's less um, kind of in your face, is Marianne, um, who again was poor. Right. All of her life after right. this after happened. This, right. And so uh, one of the, um, I was reading an article in Newsweek here, and it says that uh, there was an anonymous post on a blog published in the San Diego Reader in 20, uh, 2009 saying that someone who claimed to be the daughter of the Cunanan family uh, next door neighbor said that the last time they saw Marianne, she was covered up in an old coat, sunglasses, and a scarf tied under her chin. Right. But it was a nice spring day that didn't require a coat, and she dipped a hanky and washed her hands in a fountain in a shopping plaza. 
So like yeah. she may have may have been like senile or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are, but unfortunately, Marianne did pass away right. um, at the age of seventy three, April fifteenth, two thousand twelve, and surviving her are still. Um, the siblings. The siblings, Elena, Christopher, and Regina. So that, like, the story doesn't have a cap. It's just yeah. ended, you know? Yeah. It just didn't really... I mean, it's ended how it started. It just started. Like, it was a sudden spree of murders. Right. Um, you know, another thing I think that triggered it, it was the breaking down of his life right. at the time. So, um, and that not getting, pro, you know, not having that fairy tale he thought yeah. he deserved from uh, David, so... Man, Andrew Cunanan. <laughs> that, that's that's all we got with Andrew Cunanan. I hope you guys liked. Yeah, sorry it's late. What do you mean? Like, so much recording? No, sorry. Well, I'm oh. apologizing <laughs> to you. Sorry the episode is oh, late. I totally blanked out. Like, what are you talking Not about? Not everything is about you, dude. <laughs> like, but what? thank you guys for being patient. It's life happens so hard. We're both in school. Like, all these things are just yeah, like, yeah. sometimes it's hard to get in front of the mic, but... We don't have it. nice like lives that afford us. We need to do things. So many things. I have to work. Like go, <laughs> we were both in school and work. Isn't that? We have to get up in the mornings and go earn money to come do this. Mm-hmm. So it is a um it is fun. So it is. But thanks guys. Again, you are dope. You're awesome. You're great. Stay amazing. Check out the Facebook group, What Did You Crew? Um, mm-hmm. It's so much fun. I love the way you guys laugh and make fun of each other, but also take things seriously and continue to suggest cases. Uh, the next case is also going to be a a listener suggestion because those are really fun. Yeah. Um, this is and fun. it's also things I've never heard about either. And I'm like, how I didn't I know never... who Andrew Cunanan is. Don't judge me. Till when? Till like it was suggested. Don't judge me. Really? I'm so serious. I didn't know. I knew Versace was murdered, but you didn't I didn't know, know by his. Who. Yeah. So you never watched the show until? Nope. Oh, wow. So I remember when it first, like, it was like last even, year. There's a like show called Until? No, you never watched. Oh, the, the, oh, the, the Versace. Crime, yeah, so. yeah, until after. Oh, wow. I thought and what's funny was I was going to watch it before it was suggested, and I was like, yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Nah. <laughs> well, that's it. Well, we'll see you uh, next week. These We were originally going to. Make this a uh, two-parter. Yes. But then we realized we could just lump it together. So I lied to somebody said it would be dropping Friday and Monday. I'll just be dropping this Saturday. Um, <laughs> but love you. And the next one will be a really good one. I promise you. It is going to be insane. So um, not insane, but it's offensive. But it's going to be good to listen to. Thank you. Um, where can people find you on the internet? D underscore Isa, I-S-A, for you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Okay, dope. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat at B. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at What Did You Do Pod. That is it. That is oh, all. Oh, well, don't forget we're going to be at CrimeCon. Oh, that should have been part of the housekeeping. That was actually yeah, in the yeah. housekeeping notes I had. Yeah. Um, but we're yeah. going to say it now. And what is our discount code if you want 10% off your general tickets? WDYD19. You're better than me. I am. <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna guys, hesitate and stumble. Take care of yourselves. Be good. Whatever. Keep your hands clean. And stuff. I'm a fiance. You're yeah, okay. Way to make it. That's how you. I'm gonna end it. Yes. <laughs>